Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and join us today. As the name says, our listeners, like you, are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs. We have our small business owners. We have our local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses, what we like to call the business creators. And on the other side, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the marketing levers as you grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please explore our episodes and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Google it, you'll find it. Also check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. And fresh content is added every single week. Make sure you subscribe to get the latest and the greatest served directly to your iTunes. This week, we are going to delve into a topic that I absolutely love. At the Business Creators Institute, we talk about helping you find the intersection of, the, of your brilliance and your passion. And going along with that, we are big proponents of helping people monetize their genius. Listen, there's something inside you that drives you to work at your business, to work in your business, to work on your business, that keeps you in the community and keeps you serving. And by rights, you should be fairly and profitably compensated for your genius. Now, whether somebody tells you that your genius could sell or not shouldn't really matter. There's always a way to monetize your genius. It's just a matter of finding the market, finding the niche, and finding that intersection of your brilliance and passion. And for these reasons, I'm especially thrilled to have with us today Caitlin Pyle, who you are going to absolutely love here on the Business Creators Radio Show. And just to give you a brief background on Caitlin, she's a six-figure niche blogger and business transformation consultant. She's transformed the niche of proofreading, a very tiny niche, proofreading, into a million-dollar blog and business in just 15 months. In fact, as of the time we've recorded this, uh, there's actually a little ticker on the website, I believe, that shows how close it is to a million dollars, and it is right on track. I mean, I'm very impressed by this model. And Caitlin has been focusing her attention on helping colleagues in similar niches in her industry build their businesses using her marketing strategy. So as I see it, if somebody can build a profitable niche in proofreading, which is a very tiny niche, as I know, and they can make a million-dollar blog in business off that in just 15 months, that is certainly somebody that I would want to listen to. And the good news for you is you get to hear from her as well. So let's bring her aboard. Come on down, Caitlin. <laughs> hey, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here, as you think you can tell. Uh, before we dive into what we're going to do, let's take a step back, though. I want to give those of our listeners who haven't had a chance to get to know you yet a chance to find a little bit more about the intersection of your brilliance and passion. I gave the 10,000-foot view of what you do and how you do it, but just tell us a little bit more about that intersection of your brilliance and passion and what's brought you to where you are today. Well, it kind of accidentally happened. I, before I graduated from college, I started working probably about three months before I graduated at a court reporting office in Orlando, Florida. And I worked there for about a year and a half. And that's where I learned how to proofread. I didn't know what a court reporter was. I didn't know what a transcript was or anything like that. But I learned it in that office. 
And I kind of earned the nickname Eagle Eyes. And so I proofread for court reporters kind of on the side in addition to doing my regular job at that office. And right. made probably about four or $500 extra a month just doing that after hours. But um, yeah, and then I, I actually left that job about a year and a half later to go to personal training school. Didn't end up liking uh -huh. that all that much, but I, I took my two clients with me. And after a while, I was like, well, I really like that I can do this whenever I want. I don't have to be at a certain place. I just need the internet. And then I figured out how to do it on our iPad, which was a total game changer. And so eventually, I just took on more clients, and it grew and grew and grew until I was making about four to $5,000 a month as a proofreader using an iPad at anywhere. You know, So I had a hot spot I could turn on the car on a road trip. I could get some proofreading done while... My husband listened to his own podcast or whatever he's, he was doing, and it just really helped us earn money while it would otherwise be idle, like sitting in the airport or actually on a flight or something like that. You could actually earn money. And people started to notice that. They're like, hey, Caitlin, can you teach me how to do that? And so I would every now and then do one-on-one -on -one instruction with people. I had somebody come over to my house, and we literally sat there for like five hours where I taught him how to do it. We went through a whole transcript, and it was just obviously really time-consuming and that was just maybe a year before I started teaching it. Probably like the last person that I taught, she really took off though. And she lives in Ecuador now and she's making between 1800 and $2,000 a month, like super part-time, like 10 hours a week um, doing proofreading in Ecuador. And that, that is a lot of money in Ecuador because they're on the U.S. dollar. So she's obviously really happy. But when that happened, I was like, all right, I got to scale this somehow. I didn't know that's what it was called at the time. Um, I've learned a lot that I never thought I could learn. Um, in the last year and a half, but my husband was like, hey, you got to like scale this or make it into a book or something. And so I actually started with what I didn't know was a minimum viable product. And it was a 32 page ebook, four pages of which were the title page, the cover page, the about page, and like the last page or something. So it was like a 28 page ebook that I thought included everything you need to know to be a successful proofreader. And that book, obviously, you know, it sold to about 15 people. And they were able to use it with some success, but there was a lot of there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of one on one time involved, which clearly indicated to me that it wasn't a complete product. And so we took it off, we took it off the website and and this was in January of two thousand fifteen. Right. right. Yeah, two thousand fifteen. And then we launched the course, we got to work and I worked on it like night and day. It was like twelve, thirteen hour days to get it put together because we wanted to launch it in February and we did. We launched it February fifteenth of 2015, so last February, yep. and the rest is history. I mean, we've built it and changed it um, a lot. We've It's a completely different course than it was when we first launched it. Obviously, yes. there's the, the base is still there, but it's just so much bigger now, and the results are amazing. You know, students being able to actually use the information to start new work for themselves, and they don't stop at proofreading. That's the funny part. Like, my office manager, she started as a proofreading student and then she added on legal transcription through, you know, Transcribe Anywhere, which is um, kind of a sister company to Proofread Anywhere now. And now she's my virtual assistant helping me manage Proofread Anywhere. So it's been amazing just to see what people have been able to do with, they catch the bug. And so they're like, oh, I can do this and now I can do this. Like if you can master something like proofreading, it, it really helps you in a lot of other different business, uh, freelance business areas. So you can really expand your portfolio and, and create your clients, uh, clientele a lot easier like that. Right. See, the thing is, and what I gather out of that, and in the green room, we had a conversation about transcription businesses as well, is 
that when you find the intersection of your brilliance and passion in something you do really well, uh, in many cases, that makes it so much easier for you to go out and find your market because you understand what you're doing. You're passionate about what you're doing. It's your genius. It's your brilliance. You know where it applies. You know who needs it, and you know how to make that case to help them understand that they can benefit from it. Uh, so that's what I really love about your message. I also uh, like how uh, you know you like. Let's you know, can you use continue to use transcription as another example? Is you can be just another transcription company, for example, or you can understand some of the markets that need transcription. Some of which include podcasters like me. Uh, who may want to do show notes or something like that. We currently don't do them, but we may change our mind on that. Info product creators, uh, people who host webinars and want to have the words from their webinar that they can use for blog posts or video scripts or chapters in their upcoming book, you name it. Uh, there's so many things you can use transcription for, even as simple as when you go to a seminar and you, you use a little recorder on your phone where you make little verbal notes about people you met, and you send it off to your transcriber, and you have them type it up. So after you're back from your couple days off after the conference, you actually have a reason to remember who you need to speak with. So yeah, that's what I love about so your message. That's what I absolutely oh, love about you. your message. And, uh, and you know, what we're also going to be uh, getting into here a little bit is what I love is – how you have a site or a blog up about the workanywherelife.com. And that's something that we cover at the Business Creators Institute. So we'll probably spend a few moments on that as well. Lots to do in the next 50 minutes. So uh, one more thing we have to ask you. And our regular listeners here in the Business Creators Radio Show, they hear the drum roll. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And so many of our listeners have come to me. And they've said, we have everything we need to do anything you tell us to do except for time and money. Now, this is a question we ask everybody who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of different ways this question gets interpreted. So, Caitlin, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'd have to say because time is a non-renewable resource, then, then you should value it more than money. Money you can always make more of, but if it's going to be between time and money, you should always try to pick time. And so if, there's, if you're managing your business and you're wanting to grow it, but you don't necessarily want to put money into it because you can just do it yourself, but doing it yourself is going to make you really frazzled. Right. And you need to kind of think about, you know, paying somebody else to do it for you will free you up to have more time to do things and enjoy your life more. And so I try to think about time in, in that way instead of valuing money above it because I can always make more money, but there's, there's time I can never get back. There's always, it's always right. going to be less and less every day. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, I get it. So see what I love about that is, just that very basic business concept of doing the stuff that is your intersection of brilliance and passion and outsourcing the rest. And one of the things we tell people here who listen to our show and some of our coaching and consulting clients is that can take many different forms. Uh, you may decide you want a type of business where you make clones of yourself who can all do the same stuff you do, and that's one way you can go about it. And another model is, is that you focus on that one small area that is right at that intersection, and you build a team to support you in all the other functions. I was, for years, 
maybe two or three years at different points in my business evolution looking to create little mini atoms. And the fact is that that just doesn't work for me. It's not, I have no passion for that. Uh, you know, my brilliance is my own brilliance. And, uh, you know, I've gotten so much coaching about, well, you know, you need to stop being such a perfectionist. Well, you know what? Too bad. That's just that. Okay. So I'm going to do model B, which is I'm going to focus myself on that intersection of my brilliance and passion that I don't care what anybody says. I'm the only one who can do it. Uh, maybe some are by some measure better than me or worse than me, but in terms of how I do it, I'm the best there is. And that's just how it is. Now for everything else, I have team members around me to do it for me because that is something that does not require my brilliance and my passion to be directly on display 24-7. So that's, that's another way you can look at this. Uh, what I'd like to do yeah. now is get into um, – you've already told us a bit about what your niche is and kind of what you're doing here. Uh, and going along with the teaching you've done and the work you've done with your own business and your clients – uh, what kind of results have you seen that you'd like to share with us just to give us an example of what's possible? Yeah, I mean, we launched, we launched our ebook, our 28-page, 30-page ebook in November of 2014. And once we launched the course, we don't even really count, we don't really count the ebook anymore at all. So we just go from last February, February in, uh, 2015 until now, we are just over $1 million in, in revenue. And that's not just course sales. That's um, uh, we monetize the blog on proofread anywhere. And so one of the limiting beliefs I had was that when I monetize my genius, like I can't, the only thing I could talk about is proofreading on my blog. That's was, this was what, what I, what I believed and that is not true at all. I blog about all kinds of stuff. I blog about productivity, mindset, you know, other types of freelance businesses because not everybody that visits my site is a good fit for what I have to offer. And so I'm starting to promote other people's courses, uh, things like that. And so that $1 million includes not just course sales, but other ways that we've monetized it through advertising, through affiliate marketing, things like that. But the large percentage of it is is absolutely course sales. So we've seen a huge huge uh, success in our business endeavors just in a very short time. And so we must be doing, we must be doing something right. And I think partially, you know, what you're saying before about just focusing in on what you're best at and outsourcing the rest has helped us a lot. I mean, and I was the exact same way as you. I was, I actually posted an ad earlier this year and I didn't get it quite yet, but I do now looking for a clone was my headline for this ad. I wanted a clone. I literally wanted a clone. And I found somebody pretty close, but um, she's definitely not me, but she's, she's really good. But I, I really, just like you said, nobody's as good at, at my thing as me. And for me, that's content writing. I write my own content and right. I might have some people create like a rough draft, but I will go in and rip that thing apart until it's good enough for my blog. You know, I don't like other people writing my stuff. And so I don't even outsource that anymore. I, I do most of it myself. So yeah, I agree. So yeah, we've seen a lot a lot of success and we're adding new projects and new revenue streams to the base and just watching it grow. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I know it's, it's, it's great. Uh, and you know, that's kind of funny. It just reminds me of one other thing. Uh, about a year ago, I did find the perfect mini Adam. I found somebody who could think like I thought could do what I did, could even write like I write. And as soon as I got her to the point where she was ready to really take off, she informed me that she was leaving me because somebody else had hired her on full time. 
Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> wow. Here's the th- here's the thing when I tell people if you want to make and I want to get your thoughts on this before we move on to the next thing and I've been given this advice by uh so many people and I tend to agree with it if you really want to build like you know many Adams or many Caitlins or many whoever you are uh you're not really going to achieve that unless you have employees rather than contractors or assistants and the reason for that is because uh, you know, my business models have been based on virtual assistants and contractors and things like that. And the fact is, and this is just the way it is and it's as it should be, and not a criticism by any means, I'm just stating a fact here, is when you have somebody who has their own business supporting you and yours, you have to remember, you're the one that's passionate about your business to them. Even if you're their favorite client, you're still just a client of theirs. It's not their business. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I've I've been pretty lucky, but with my my main kind of right hand person right now because right. she's kind of recognized she's starting her own blog, and so she really recognizes that working with a, an established blogger who's been as successful as I've been with Proofread Anywhere, she recognizes that um, working with Proofread Anywhere is going to be her best bet to success. She gets to see how it gets run, she gets to learn stuff while she gets paid for it, and so she's really been passionate about helping people. Plus she's a proofreader herself. She's a graduate of my course. And so it just kind of works like that. But I have seen differences between her. I just got lucky with her, but there are other contractors where it's obvious that it's not really a priority to them. And right. the only way that you can make it such is if you hire a full-time employee, but we we don't um, need or want to, uh, you know, spend the resources to have a full-time employee, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And and that's just the the commitment you have to decide to make. And, you know, I I looked at it Mm -hmm. and I decided, you know what, I don't want to do that. I don't want that model Uh, because I I have seen many people. So many people do this where they make $10 million, $20 million in their business. And there's like four people in the business. So I don't want a big team of people who can all do the stuff I do. I just don't want to do that. And that's my decision. And, and And I say this for our listeners because the 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 resort of coaching out there as well you got to clone yourself and you got to and you got to you know basically outsource everything well you know, for some people that just doesn't work the idea of doing so-so work or or compromising when it comes to certain standards i just won't do it uh just for one example when we work with our coaching and consulting clients uh to uh do webinar marketing or teleseminar marketing or things along those lines there is a way we set up our opt-in flows. There's a, there's a certain element that we add. Uh, when we have people sign up for a webinar, we don't just say, hey, thanks for signing up for the webinar. Here's your link. Click here Thursday. No, there's another step we insert. And if, that, and if I hire somebody or I bring somebody on and I ask them to set up a webinar for a client uh, or myself, and that second step isn't there, Oh, have you ever been in the middle of a of a hurricane, Caitlin? Yes, I, I originally live in Florida. Right now, I'm in Buenos Aires, yeah. Argentina, but I grew up in Florida, so yes, 2004. You know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. It's uh, there are certain standards that are just absolutely inviolable, and I just got really tired of having to explain it over and over and over again. And my own teaching, which I lived by, you know, practice what you preach is film yourself doing it once and then tell people to watch the video. 
but after three times in one year, somebody watches a video and then they give you a product as if they'd never seen your video after they assured you they watched it, it gets a little tiring. That's just me. Yeah. So what no, I love it's me too. Right. Which is what which is part of, which is part of what I love about some of the things you're doing because there's a piece of what you do that's the intersection of your brilliance and passion that uh, you do, and as you said yourself, you have other writers on board, uh, which is all well and good, but you're not just going to take their stuff and say, hey, thanks, and then post it on your blog. You're going to give it the Caitlin touch about four or five rounds before it's sufficiently something that you would put out there with pride. Exactly. And I mean, a lot of the things that I see is they aren't quite used to writing without fluff. They have put in words that don't have any meaning. They don't know how to write, um, you know, short but effective sentences. They write really long paragraphs instead of short paragraphs that uses readability. There's things like that, that that they say they can make it sound like me, but you read it and no, <laughs> that's not, that's not proofread anywhere quality. And it means even worse when you are a proofreader. So they send back stuff with typos. And if I were to just trust them, I would get torn to shreds, and it wouldn't even be my fault. Well, it would be if I posted it, but well, yeah. it's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's oh. really hard if you're a proofreader. You get ripped to shreds with every little typo. Oh, it it it, it is, and typos are hard to find. I mean, I find. I mean, I ha- I read books. You know, they were published under major book deals. So, you know, the proofreader was probably paid twenty, thirty thousand dollars just to proofread, and I find mm-hmm. typos that it's not a word misspelled but it's like the wrong word and it doesn't belong in that, in that sentence. But because yes. the word itself was not incorrectly spelled, it just totally got missed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All kinds of things can happen. Right, right. Now I understand the proofreading is so much more than punctuation and spelling, but I think you get my, you get my idea here. So, uh, yes. right, right. So I'm really, so yeah, so I'm you know, really enjoying, you know, some of the things we're covering here. And what I'd like to do is, turn the spotlight back to Caitlin and ask you, of all the things you've done, what have you found to be the most effective way to market your businesses? So that would be not just focusing in on yourself and, again, not just what you can do and doing it all yourself and being reach out to other people. So I first looked at just proofreading bloggers or people that like to read and stuff like that, but then I was like, wait a second, I'm not teaching people how to proofread. I'm teaching people how to work at home. And so I network with a ton of bloggers that are work at home bloggers that have been in business for 10 years that, you know, the the blogosphere, they're almost celebrities, you know, they've been around for so long and they do so well and they have very widely read blogs, millions of followers. And I networked with them and I said, Hey, I've got something that you're, your audience has never seen before and yes, I'm brand new, but I think that you're going to like this. And if I, I know, I knew that there was nothing about proofreading on their websites because I looked and I searched and all that. And so it really uh, was attractive, an offer for them to be able to earn money off of as an affiliate off of something that nobody else had heard about because people didn't know that you could be a proofreader for court reporters and make money doing it. And so this was, very, very new to the the industry, and that was networking with affiliates, really powerful affiliates, and supporting them and having that mutual bond kind of just skyrocketed the growth of Proofread Anywhere. And it really, I find that it works when they interview me. So the affiliate would interview me, and it's kind of called trust. I call it trust by proxy. And so they don't trust if it were just me, like doing a guest post, because, you know, there's so much advice out there that says, oh, you got to do guest posts. 
And I was like, no, and here's why, because the if I just talked about what I do as a guest poster on, you know, X blog, then it looks like the blogger actually handed over the reins to a salesperson. Whereas right. if the blogger asks me questions and introduces me as their friends, their audience, whom, you know, they already trust this blogger, right? And so I gain trust by proxy through that experienced blogger by sharing information with the audience um, because the blogger is asking me questions. You know, and I might write all the questions myself and answer all the questions myself, and so I make it easier for the affiliate. Um, but that's not the way it appears to the audience, and that's not how the audience interprets it. But they would interpret it completely the opposite way. Like, oh, my gosh, it looks like, you know, so-and-so got paid $200 to do a sponsor post again, like whatever they do, you know, for advertising sometimes. And I just find working together with the affiliate and presenting the information to the audience as a team rather than, you know, just her or him handing over the reins to a salesperson in the form of, right. of a guest post is more, more effective. So very effective. Right. You know, I've done that guest right. post thing myself and uh, I, I got to tell you, it gets tiring. It is. And it's yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> you know what gets really tiring about it is uh, being a guest blogger uh, on other people's blogs. Now, there are exceptions to this, and some of them have actually worked out very well. But um, in the majority of cases, what tired me out most was the editorial guidelines. And what I mean by editorial guidelines is if you turn in a post that has, say, 499 words in it, they say, oh, no, no, this has to be 500 words. You have to edit this. Or they have mm. these very strict rules about what you can bold and what you can highlight and what you can underline. And you know, my, my copywriting has a lot of bolding, underlining, and highlighting. There are some copywriting instructors that say don't do that. Uh, there are some that say do do that. I find I get my message more across more effectively when I do it the way I do it. So don't force me into your box. Yeah, I don't like the box either. I mean, I feel like all the words I write are important, and so if you're going to cut 400 of them, I feel like it's going to really cut the effectiveness of my of my post, you know. Yeah. When I have <laughs> yeah, when I have people write for me, especially for social media and things like that, and uh, and participating in some of the long end discussion groups that I can't necessarily get to every single day, for instance, uh, one what I have to really focus on is being a subscriber to myself and making sure that things aren't getting written that uh, would absolutely be counter to my message. I mean, I've had a couple examples of this from people who, again, I, they, they were doing great work, and they did what they thought was right, but it was just a matter of getting to know me as the client. Uh, somebody shared uh, something on one of my Facebook business pages um, that was a quote from a politician. And, I, and, uh, and people came to me and said, I thought you were on the other side. Why are you quoting this person? Did you tell your people what you believe in? Like, okay, uh, I missed that one. And then I found uh, that I was being voiced, encouraging people to take these steps to get more traffic to their website. And if anybody's been listening to me since 2012, they know that the absolute worst thing you can have in your business is traffic to your website. If that's what you're focused on, you might as well shut your doors because traffic to your website is like drinking poison. <laughs> and your jaw is dropping to the floor and you're saying, what? I thought we wanted traffic what? to our website. 
yeah, that leads to a teaching point. It actually leads to two separate teaching points that we put in the standard marketing for the Business Creators Institute and the Business Creators Radio Show. Uh, we rephrase it, and then we use the rephrasing as a form of market niching. Those who have been following for a while know that. And I mentioned it on so many of the other interviews, and I encourage our listeners to go to the iTunes channel and find a few of those. Uh, so specifically, Caitlin, if you can, what really attracted me to you and having you on to our Business Creators Radio Show is that you took the niche of proofreading and you turned it into a million-dollar blog and business. And I think you've given us some of this already, but I want to create a point in our interview that just crystallizes how you monetize a blog because I think there are a lot of people out there who are tired of writing for hope. They want to write for money. Yeah, yeah. So there's several ways to monetize a blog, and a lot of people think, oh, it's just affiliate marketing. And I would probably call that maybe the number two way to monetize a blog, but the number one way is creating your own product. And so if you've got that genius, you've got that idea, and it doesn't have to be an online course. You know, online course, I feel like, packs the biggest punch. It has the most versatility in the kind of content you can share and use to teach your audience. But you could also do an ebook. You know, we're actually introducing some now. We start out with an ebook, but then we do, did away with ebook, and, and then we just had the course for so long. But now we're introducing actual ebooks to kind of go along with the course, or to be bought separately, things like that, um, just to kind of reach a wider audience. You know, we're working on something called the Work at Home Survival Guide that will be good for anybody, not just people who are interested in proofreading. So. Um, creating your own products is the best way to monetize a blog, but there's a lot of bloggers out there who have no products of their own, but they make a lot of money by promoting other people's products. Many of my affiliates are in that exact boat. They are Amazon affiliates, so they, they create blog posts where they promote their favorite products for, you know, a weekend camping, you know, they'll list like their 10 favorite products for a weekend camping, and then they will include some safety tips or something, just add value. You, the, point of blogging is not just to blog about your day like I went to the grocery store today and you know that was like back in 1999 (laughs) blogging was still like you know people are on Zanga or whatever and I had a Zanga back in high school and did the same thing all my friends would read it and I thought that was blogging that's not blogging anymore blogging is content marketing essentially so um yeah, you can make your whole living just selling other people's products like many of my affiliates do. Some of my affiliates are starting to create their own products, which is, I think, the best way to go because then you don't get a percentage of the sale. You get most of the percentage. You get, you know, if you have your own affiliates that can sell for you, then obviously that's going to cut into your profit. But instead of being on the lower end of that percentage, it'll be on the higher end. So you, yeah, monetize a blog using advertising. You can do Google AdSense, any number of available ad networks. Um, a lot of bloggers will throw on as many ad networks as possible to the point where it takes forever for their site to load and it's really annoying. So I don't necessarily recommend that, especially if you are selling your own products and the beef of your income from your blog is your own products. So the more ads you have, the more distracting it is. So I do have like the minimum... Um, you know, number of Google AdSense ads just because I do a lot of marketing on Pinterest and have right. a lot of traffic from people who are never going to buy my product. And so only on the, the the free pages, the free content, like blog content, do I have ads, but I have the ads turned off for people who are logged into the site to consume the premium content. So there's ways around that where you can, you know, still take part of 
um, you know, having ads and taking advantage of Google AdSense and things like that. But it's not fair to people who are paying that they have ads come up on their on your page. So um, I kind of strike a balance in that way. But products, affiliate marketing, advertising, probably the top three ways to monetize a blog. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for clarifying that because there really is no mystery to how to monetize a blog, but we wanted you to come on and say it. It really comes down to monetizing a blog. It comes down to what do you have available for sale? And if you are a business creator, having your own product is best. Having somebody else's product and getting a great commission on it is second best is how I look at it. I go Mm -hmm. to a lot of these websites. Some of these websites are just pure clickbait. You know, the ones where they have articles on them and then it takes like, even on a super fast internet connection, it takes like nine minutes for it to load because they're running 12 different (laughs) ad networks on the thing. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, just a funny, <laughs> funny story. I remember one time I was, uh, I was in the process of making a connection on LinkedIn, and this, uh, this guy, just a total, total jerk face. Uh, he, my, my, my website at the time had a light box on it, and our listeners know what light boxes are. They're those, they're those things where the screen goes dark and this box shows up, and it's an opt-in opportunity. And that's the only thing that the site had on it. And the site was squeaky clean. No ads, no spam, no malware, no nothing. And I get this really nasty message from him in exchange for my request to connect. It says, I looked at your site and I got bombarded with pop-ups. And the last thing I'm going to do is expose my audience to somebody like you. And I wrote back, bombarded with pop-ups? Uh, for somebody who claims they know marketing, have you ever heard of this thing called a light box? And the good news for you is I really don't want to expose my audience to you either because of your attitude, jerk. Hey, the empire, mm, the, empire, yeah. the empire strikes back sometimes. That's another beauty of being an entrepreneur is you don't always have to phrase things so carefully. Sometimes you just get to say it. Yeah, I mean, if you're the boss and it's obvious that somebody else is – I have a folder in my email – account called uh, fruits and nuts and so whenever I get like somebody fruity or somebody nutty I just like move the email over there and I entertain it for a little while like I think there was somebody who emailed me and my assistant actually answered it but it was somebody who she went on her LinkedIn profile and you know didn't read the whole thing but kind of noticed that she was from a country who generally their first language isn't English and so very very innocently she wrote back and said hey, you know, I noticed that you're from X country or whatever. Um, I just wanted to just let you know that we don't necessarily recommend our course and for that and whatever. She just went off the rails and wrote me two 1,000 words. I did a workout, 1,000 word emails, two of them. So like over 2,000 words just going off the rails at me, like saying I was a racist, saying this, you don't know, you don't know me, obviously, you're closed-minded, you're this, like I'm going to have to take this to social media and tell the world about how horrible you are and whatever. And I wrote back maybe like 10 sentences between all of her replies and stuff. But after a while, I just had to, I just had to say, obviously, you're the one who's crazy. And if you feel like publishing all these emails, it's going to be obvious that you know, you're the one who is twisting all of my words and not the other way around. So uh, <laughs> go ahead. I, 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 have, I have to laugh. And since we're ahead on time here, I think we can take two minutes and just swap a couple of stories. And this is for our listeners because uh, there's a lot of fear out there to this day that you're going to put out emails, you're going to send a bunch of emails, and somebody's going to get mad at you. And I think between Caitlin and I, we're just going to give you an opportunity to let you know that, you know, hey, there are fruits and nuts out there. Uh, there was this one person who unsubscribed from our list this one time. And, uh, you know, if you want to unsubscribe, fine. You know, you ever heard of can spam? Ever heard of unsub links? It won't be your go. 
So they couldn't just unsubscribe. They had to you know, yell about how we were spammers and all this other stuff. And meanwhile, I was able to track the guy. Because even though he was hiding behind a fake email address, he didn't hide that good. And I immediately figured out that he had come on to my list as a result of having listened to a guest webinar I did to somebody else's list. I even knew the date and the time. And how else did I know that? Because I had ad tracking on the opt-in page, and I save all the receipts of people who opt in, so I also had the guy's IP address. So I oh. so, 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 uh, so I wrote back very, you know, as politely as I can, although with a l little tinge of sarcasm, I said, look, you know, good for you that you're leaving. The fact is that you opted in on this date from this IP address, and you requested the information, so therefore uh, this is not spam, but you can rest assured you're unsubscribed, and good luck to you, or something like that. Well, Two months later, and I, I, I mean literally two months later, I, uh, in the middle of the night, this guy uh, sends me this, I, I, I copy-pasted from an email to a Word document, it took up nine pages of a Word document, uh, he went on the internet and found like a template of a cease and desist letter, and made like he was going to destroy my business and my life. Uh, because we are spammers. Oh, oh, well, we never and we never opted in, and and you are and you are uh, you are guilty of libel and slander for even saying that. Even though I have the triangulation report that shows that the IP address that opt that uh, the opt-in came from is from the location where his physical office is. So it was him first off. So I already have that proof. And then uh, and then in the email he. He copy-pasted abuse at everything, abuse at Gmail, abuse at Facebook, abuse at WordPress. I mean, he just started making stuff up. And, uh, and he said, well, I've, co I've copied the abuse departments of all these organizations, and um, I, I, I await to hear their opinions of your attempt to implicate them in your deliberate and malicious attempt to spam me. Oh my goodness, that's definitely a nut. <laughs> okay, I, okay, I researched this guy and I found the documents from his divorce case. Um, aside from the perjury, obstruction of justice, abuse, adultery, and all this other stuff, I'm thinking, wow, this guy is like seriously about one step away from the mental asylum. So you know what I did is I laughed and filed it in my fruits and nuts file. <laughs> so yes, listening, yes. So people listening, if you haven't experienced that, you haven't really experienced anger, and you haven't really experienced a nutcase. So <laughs> I'm laughing. I even laughed then. And uh, you know, if I'm laughing now, that occasional person that says, you send too many emails, hell with them. Delete them. Move on. <laughs> yeah, I used to get myself all of out of shape about unsubscribes. Like, I felt like it was taken personally, and I had MailChimp in the very beginning, and they actually let you type in why you're unsubscribing. Yeah. So I got some really mean notes and I used to get real nervous when I went and read them. And now I don't even care about finding out why people unsubscribe. I'm just like, yeah, just get off my list. You're wasting my time. I'm wasting yours. If it's not a beneficial mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. So whatever. I'm, there's more people where, who are willing to, you know, look into bettering their lives. And if you're not in that place right now, that's fine. I think a lot of people try to opt in because they think you're magical and you know you teach work at home there's unfortunately a, a stigma in that in that industry that I'm trying to overcome with the type of blog posts that I write just really honest ones that where you know I say flat out working at home is not easy and I want you to unsubscribe if you think it is or if you expect it to be or you expect like a seven-day free 
intro course, email course to be magical for you. That's not what this is. And you're in the wrong place for that. So bye. And so I'm very upfront with people. I just published a post called for a work at home job or work at home careers that actually require a brain and actual work or something, something along those lines. It's a long title, but right. where we basically just play on the idea, like you have to actually work to make money and it's, and it's worth it. So yeah, there's a lot of people that are looking for a quick fix or the magic pill still, and those are not my people. But, I mean, there's an advantage to that because there's things you can do that, you know, people that are going to take up your time, you might as well try to sell them something. And so we have put together some lower price products that we're going to be launching soon, like the Work at Home Survival Guide that's going to be good for anybody that, you know, maybe is not even close to being a fit for my intensive course. They would spend $7 on a work on survival guide with, you know, a lot of tips and tricks and other knowledge that, you know, would help them, you know, get real about work at home, working at home instead of having unrealistic expectations. So there are ways to monetize even the people that won't buy your premium products. You know, that, you know, that, 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 and you raise a good point here. You know, I, uh, if I get an unsubscribe notice, it's like, I, I just hold on to it because I have a separate Gmail account where I just dump all this stuff and never look at it. Uh, and then I keep it for a couple years, and occasionally I'll just purge up to a certain date. I, I don't even open them because, you know what, you're off my list, you're off my list. Fine. Yeah, fine. Uh, and, yeah. and the final point I want to make, and this may be some of our business creators, if you're one of those folks who takes a lot of time to give the person a piece of your mind when you unsubscribe and let them know how you feel, okay, there's two things to bear in mind. That nasty note that you're writing is uh, if it gets read, and I'm saying if it gets read, is going to be read by a human being with feelings and think to yourself, would you say that to their face in a social setting? If you wouldn't, then you shouldn't write it in an anonymous online form. If you would, then you're a jackass. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is if somebody reads it, all they're going to do is make fun of you and rip you to shreds when talking about it on a podcast somewhere down the road. You're not going to influence their decisions in any way. So just unsubscribe and move on. Yeah, you're not going to make any any kind of difference just being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, like that like that person who uh made up the uh the nine-page cease and desist letter. Oh, and he was real cute about it too. Um he has all these fake email addresses he uses to opt into different lists to make it look like he has a team when um a cursory Google search tells you he's a guy who works in an office by himself. Um and he made it look like his assistant had drafted this for him and he was forwarding what his assistant wrote even though the name of the assistant I I Google that person. They don't exist. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, oh and I mean, I mean, this was, this was like three years ago he wrote and he probably thought he was scoring some big point or something. All I've done is been going around making fun of him. And a few people, I've even yeah. told him what their, I've even told a few people what his name is. I mean, it's like, uh, cause if you're in this part of the world, don't do business with this person. It's like, what have you gained? Just leave the damn list. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's what exactly what I asked that person earlier this week. I was like, if I am as horrible as you're telling me that I am over and over again, this 2,000 word, two separate yeah. emails, you know, why, why have you spent so much time of your day on me? <laughs> you right, know, right. like, don't you have better things to do? Right. You're so you know, amazing. You're such a mature woman. Like, you know, it's, yeah. you, you have you, better things to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I was going to actually reply to the guy after he wrote that long thing, because one of the phrases that he wrote in his many things that I guess he thought were zingers <laughs> was, uh, and, and, and I trust that you will obey the law and you will not sell my information to anybody. 
And one of my immediate thoughts was, is I wouldn't give your information to anybody because if I did, they might use it and market to you, close you as a client, and help you be successful. And I want you to go bankrupt. Mm. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't share your information with anybody because it might lead to your success and I want you to fail. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Okay one, okay, one more nutty story, and then um, let's get back to something here. I had somebody who uh, signed up for a free consult with me, right? Um, and uh, for some reason, they made a big deal over, when it comes time for the call, I want you to call me. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't care who calls who. Just tell me how it's going to be, because maybe you want me to be the one calling you because you're going to be in your car, and you want to self-practice you know, driving safety and not be dialing your cell phone. Fine, whatever. So uh, the, the point of time an hour comes, and I, and I call her up, it's the wrong phone number. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, I'll do a quick Google search, check her website. Okay, no phone number. Dang. So I, so I begin composing her a polite little email that says, uh, sorry, this phone number doesn't seem to be working. If you get this in the next 20 minutes, uh, call me or give me your correct number. The moment I hit send, I got this really nasty reply from her, you know, just basically um, going on and on about how I have no professionalism, no integrity, and I don't keep my promises, and she wouldn't want to speak with someone like me. It's like, okay, delete then. Oh, my goodness. People are so crazy. I think they think too much of themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah a, couple weeks, a couple weeks later, um, I had sent out a, vi- a video on my blog. Of, the title of it was Holy Hemostat. And anybody who's a fan of the TV show MASH knows that's a Colonel Potterism. Holy Hemostat, just like uh, Great Balls of Fire and Great Caesar Salad, right? And, and horse hockey and bull cookies and all that. Holy Hemostat. And I get this message from her. I'm thinking, why are you still here? And she's going on and on about how hemostats aren't holy and I'm a blasphemer and I need to accept Christ in my life. And she was now officially disengaging from me. And, and, and I should look forward to everybody disengaging because nobody wants to do business with a blasphemer or something like that. And I was going to reply oh and tell her that her brand of bigotry was not a welcome at the Business Creators Institute because we uh, support the uh, the church of the uh, of the brotherly love of the hemostat or something. I made up this big comical thing, you know, basically where um, you know it was about increasing the peace and stopping the bloodletting because that's what a hemostat does; it stops blood from flowing, um, you know, like if you're wounded or something like that. Uh, but I just trashed it. I'm thinking, for what? For what? Uh, and, I, and I also had included in my draft, uh, you say that there are going to be a few people disengaging from me. Well, number one, I disengaged from you uh, based on what happened a couple weeks ago. Number two, anybody that takes you seriously, I don't want to hear from them. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I had a student once who she, she told me that she'd heard that there was a small group of court reporters that didn't like me because they thought that my – proofreaders were flooding the market like just some she heard some rumors and then she emailed me and she says actually I don't want to be associated with you anymore even though your course has prevented me from being homeless and I've gotten so many clients because of your course I just I can't risk being associated with you blah blah blah. and she had submitted her success story and she's like yeah I don't want my name attached to your company blah, blah blah well I published it anyway under an alias and it's actually helped me get a ton of sales so <laughs> It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That's so. hilarious. So, all right. So we are caught up on time now. And for our listeners, uh, we just want to take a little bit of break from business and, you know, give you some confidence and let you know that uh, anything that you think has ever been a criticism 
we've all been through it. You know, I'm a nice person. You can see that Caitlin is just as, as sweet as pie. And, you know, we're helpful people who want to serve the universe and do great things for great people. And even we get it. So it happens to everybody. Just laugh. Tell, tell jokes about them at parties if you feel the need to. But just move on. Remember, there's people who want to hear from you. Focus on them. Yeah, exactly. So, right. So what I'd like to do here uh, next is – uh, in a nutshell, if somebody came to you and they said, I have a struggling online company and I want to have a profitable business because I want to live the type of lifestyle where I can basically work from anywhere, uh, what are some steps that they could take to turn that struggling online company into something profitable? Well, they want to at least look at their, they want to look at their technology and see what kind of technology they're using, where their weaknesses are, where their strengths are. You want to figure out what exactly you're good at and then where you can get help in other places. And so kind of what my husband and I do as, as consultants is a little bit unique in that we can identify a lot of times if you're struggling as an online business, especially if you have an online course similar to what we have done with Proofread Anywhere, if you're struggling, it's usually because of the marketing. They have a great product and there's a market for it, but they don't know how to reach that market right. and they don't have the strength in copywriting or whatever or, you know, using social media, and that just is really holding them back. And so um, what we've done is just take that over for them um, and kind of just transform their business. They, we just take that whole side of the business that's struggling, and usually what happens is actually every time what happens is that part of the business, when that's revived and it matches the quality of the product that they're offering, then then the whole thing just starts growing. And so that's that's exactly the steps that we would take is we would ask them, you know, your your forte is obviously teaching this course, working with the students, whatever it is that you're doing, um, you, but you need help with marketing. And then we can either, you know, work with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis where they can hire somebody else to do it, or they can work with us and we can do it for them, just kind of revitalize, put in place systems for their marketing because doing marketing isn't the way it used to be. A lot of people think, oh, well, I can just hire a marketer and pay them $20 an hour. Right. And, this is not the way it is. Like it's a whole system. I had a conversation with a client last week where she was just like, well, can't I just, you know, we do revenue sharing and I was offering to completely take over her business, the marketing side of her business and just send her sales through the roof and the same model doing the same things as I do with proofread anywhere, but for her business. And she's like, well, can I just, she didn't understand like what she would actually be getting for the exchange of the revenue that I was requesting for my services. She's like, can I just like pay you, um, you know, $20 an hour or whatever, or like, cause I told him like my rate's $500 an hour. So if you want to pay me hourly then, and doesn't, it's not guaranteed that you get results. But if you do a revenue sharing model, then, you know, my pay is only, it's only, uh, what do you, how do you say? Like uh, it's connected I, directly I when to you how much you make. I get paid when you get paid. Exactly. Exactly. And so if I suck, then I don't get paid anything. But if I, your your income becomes limitless because of me and what I'm doing. And without me, you're dead in the water. So that's the kind of the way, in a nice way, I explained it to her where my income as a result of what I'm doing for your business shouldn't be limited because because uh, of me, neither is yours. And so she understood at that point. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that makes sense. You know, I was like, it's not just doing marketing. It's not just getting on Pinterest and like clicking around and doing stuff not just publishing on social media it's entire systems that you have to put into place and a lot of people struggle with that even if they have a book or a course or ever, anything to show them exactly how they're 
there's still going to be a lot of people that are never going to be able to do it themselves and just don't have the resources to put together a team or to learn how to do it all themselves and then hire a team or anything like that. And so for a lot of people, it's easier to hire somebody to completely just transform it. So that's what we do essentially. So, but you really have to just look at yourself and see, you know, be honest with yourself and say, am I struggling because I just don't have the skills and I don't, I don't think I'll ever have the time to learn the skills if you're like working full time or whatever it is. And you don't have the time to build what we build, um, you know, marketing systems wise with something like proofread anywhere. And if you're honest with yourself and you come to the answer that, no, I don't have the skills or I don't have the time and, or I'm not willing to put in the time that doesn't sound like fun to me, then, um, those, those people are more, more likely to, um, be a good fit for our company and our, our business transformation stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and I think that's, I think that's all really good stuff. And you know, what I, what just struck me intuitively is there are certain marketing activities that a person can do or not do, depending on what they feel comfortable with. Uh, for example, right. I don't really want to put my face on video more than absolutely necessary. Aside from the fact that I have a face for video, it's just not where I do my best work. Um, I have a, you know, a couple of good friends of mine, I swear, 20 freaking times a day on Facebook, I get an alert that they posted to this group or discussion group, and they filmed yet another one of those videos where they hold the camera up to their face and selfie a video. And I, I hate have those. Oh, I, my goodness. I have actually hired a contract on myself. If you ever see me in one of those videos, you have permission to come to my house and shoot me. Nice. <laughs> I yeah. like that. <laughs> and, and, but, but, but I don't begrudge anybody who is successful with it because the examples I just you know shared of the couple friends of mine who are doing these things 20 flipping times a day, they are making mint with what they're with yeah. doing to drive visitors to their web pages, attract people to their messages, leading to conversations that turn into clients and customers. It works for them. But the message is... You don't have to do it if it doesn't work for you. There are so many things you can be doing to market and grow your business that there's plenty you can find that will be within your comfort zone, your integrity zone, and at the intersection of your brilliance and passion. I agree. I'm not a big video fan either. The only time I do get on videos is when I do you know, an interview with somebody where it's a video interview and it's just the two of us talking. But in terms of just filming these scripted videos and doing it in the studio and stuff, that's just not my style. I prefer to write. I'm very good at it. Yeah. I'm very good at making yeah. things make sense on paper. And you know, I'll do screencast tutorials where you hear my voice and stuff, but I'm just not a fan of being on camera and I don't need to feel pressured just because some you know, big marketing advice person or whatever or some course that I took says that I should because there's you have to be true to yourself you have to be authentic right. and you have to have your own style and people love that you can be weird and get a ton of clients you can be exactly who you are and in the blogosphere especially that's what people are looking for they want to be able to connect with a real person yeah uh, I mean I will do scripted videos I will do the headshot like if we're doing like a google hangout or a webinar or something like that I'll do that uh, but the thing is, I like to minimize my exposure on video because it means I have to fix my hair and put on a nice shirt. And yes, I, and me I like, too. And I, I'm not yeah, wearing my pajamas. And, and then I have to be in a certain you know, place. Now, when I do hangouts and I do webinars, sometimes uh, you'll see my cat photobombing from behind or my cat will climb right up on the desk and I'll pet her or something like that. Oh, I have two cats, actually. And uh, I've oh. had, actually had people criticize me to say, you know how unprofessional that looks? Is any major company going to hire somebody who uh, puts his cat on his marketing videos? And I say, well, if that's going to stop them from hiring me, they'll find some other excuse. 
to hell with them. Uh, my cats are my personal assistants. They're part of what I do. They're part of the brand. They work here. You don't. <laughs> well, as a cat person, I am totally in favor of having your cats <laughs> in your marketing videos or your whatever. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, the standard advice for hosting a podcast or being a guest on a podcast is before you go live, take all the animals, put them in another room, and close the door. Uh, here? Exactly. Sometimes in the background of the Business Creators Radio Show, you hear the cats, you hear their, their bells jingling or they're climbing on something or meowing or whatever. Uh, so be it. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're part of the team. That, and, that, and that's one of the benefits, as I see it, of the work anywhere life. Yeah, absolutely. You get to make the rules. You get to, you know, have your cats in the room. You can wear your pajamas all day. You don't have to do your hair. Like you yeah. can be yourself. And it's it's the new it's the new job security, in my opinion. It's the new it's just a new way to work. Yeah, I, I think. I, yeah, I I I love I love it myself. I'm you know because they say that entrepreneurs are the people who will work 80 hours a week to avoid a 40 hour a week job. Well, at least let us do our 80 hours in a place that we enjoy. Can you give us that much, please? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and we enjoy it a lot of times. Like I, if I work 80 hours a week, it's because I really like what I do, not because I have to or I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. Like right. I'm my own boss, and I love I love working for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, what's really sad about these interviews, Caitlin, is we only ever have an hour and we're near the top of the hour. So what I'd like to do is uh, turn the floor over to you for 30 more seconds. Uh, we may have people on the edge of their seat wanting to get to know you better, find out more about what you're doing with uh, training transcribers and the work anywhere life. How do they get a hold of you and what do you have to offer our business creators? So what's really easy, if you want to get in touch with me, you can just Google me. Just make sure you spell it right. Caitlin Pyle, and it's just like Gomer Pyle. So you can Google me, and right. you'll see a bunch of my stuff come up and other podcasts and interviews and websites and whatever. But then all my websites have the word anywhere in it. We call it the Anywhere Brands. And so you can yep. visit proofreadanywhere.com, transcribeanywhere.com, or theworkanywherelife.com, and you'll find me. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, so uh, just you know, one final closing thought here and i think our listeners will will love this in terms of the intersection of your brilliance and passion um i have had folks come to me and say but don't you miss being in an office uh and they start to describe what it means to be in an office you know you have a cubicle and you do cubicle drop bys and on the fly conversations and anytime you can grab three or four of your colleagues and say hey let's go in the conference room and have a meeting and i don't know if they can see it but i'm actually dying inside just by the prospect of that vision and getting physically ill, <laughs> like cubicles and meetings. I, I remind yes. myself in my worst days as a work anywhere entrepreneur that no matter how bad whatever I'm doing right now sucks, I best just do it because that's the alternative is a cubicle and a meeting. Yep, exactly. It's like it's the cubicle prison. It's the best <laughs> yes. to not be part of that, you know. <laughs> I've, 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 I've served my time, and I, as I know many of our business creators have. So uh, what I'd like to say now, we're top of the hour. Caitlin Powell of ProofreadAnywhere.com and the work anywhere in, excuse me, the TheWorkAnywhereLife.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, a privilege, and an education. Thanks so much, Adam. It's been a blast.
Absolutely. If everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and subscribe to us on iTunes. We help you win at the game of